Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May Shireen podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. So, not a bad week for me. Uh, I finally started my new job. Very, very excited. Love historical interpreting. Woo. (laughs) Yesterday, uh, we, we have a blacksmith shop on site, so I spent my entire day doing blacksmith training. I don't know if it's necessarily for me. I didn't really make anything. We really spent the entire day learning how to turn uh, round metal bars into square metal bars. And I don't think I did very well, but I definitely tried. Um, Blacksmithing is scary. I really respect people who do blacksmithing as a profession because, God, it's fucking hard to do. Like, damn. (laughs) I'm sorry that this episode is going up a little uh, late with uh, my new job and all. I haven't really had time to uh, record and edit, so I'm really, really sorry about that. But I've also been doing a lot of research for future episodes. Um, I got, like, a whole bunch of uh, new uh, books. Uh, One on the Queens of Jerusalem, which I'm really excited about because there's a lot of interesting Queens of Jerusalem that I want to do on this show. And um, I'm hoping to do a really interesting lady at the start of uh, season five, which I hope you guys will like. And I'm hoping to maybe get another podcast guest to do that episode with me. So stay tuned for all that because I'm really excited about it. All right. uh, Enough about me. Let's uh, get into the topic at hand today. We are talking about Harem Sultan or also known as Roxelena. Um, I heard about her actually originally from Queen's Podcast. I had never heard of her before. But she's actually super interesting. She's uh, one of the many women who were uh, in the Sultanate of Women, which is what they call this like era during the Ottoman Empire where you had all these influential sultanas. And Harem was... I believe she's considered the second one, but she's also kind of the first one in in a lot of ways. Anyway, she's very, very cool. I This is like a complete rags to riches story. I think you guys are really going to love this, so let's get into it. All right, so Harem Sultan, also known as Roxelena, was born sometime in the year 1502 in Ruthenia, which at the time was a part of Poland, but is now in Ukraine. Uh, she was also born possibly to a Polish priest named Lizowski, but we're not really sure. Now, I've got to be honest, <laughs> we know nothing about Harem or her family. Hell, we don't even know when she was born or much about her early life, but here's what I can tell you about what we think we know. <laughs> now, we think that she may have been the daughter of an Orthodox Christian priest with the last name Lewoski, because there was a report about the time that Harem, like, is supposed to have, uh, been taken into slavery, that a uh, Orthodox Christian priest had a very pretty daughter that fits Harem's description, who was uh, kidnapped by uh, Tartar slavers in about the year 1518, which is why we think she might have been uh, kidnapped from her native Ruthenia. 
Um, I also read that Roxelena, which she was sometimes called, uh, probably wasn't her real name. It was actually a nickname that the Tartar slavers tended to give girls who came from Ruthenia. Like Ro- Roxelena, Ruthenia, yeah, you know. So I, I bet you're wondering, guys, what was her real name? Well, uh, we're not really sure. Our best guess is that her name might have been Alexandra, which, you know, sounds very Polish or Ukrainian. But it's just a shot in the dark. Uh, but you better get used to that because most of her early stories very just like, eh, we think that might have happened to her. This might have happened. This might have happened. We we just don't really know. So I'll just tell you what happened to her M when she was kidnapped. Now, when Harem was kidnapped from uh, Ruthenia, she was most likely taken to the nearest slave market, which was in uh, Kaffa. Uh, And then she was taken to uh, Istanbul, where she had a better chance of being sold. Now, luckily, thanks to the fact that she was young and attracted, she was likely treated very well while she was held captive. So, you know, at least uh, possibly no abuse or sexual abuse. Yay? <laughs> um, now, while at the slave market, she was purchased by a man named Ibrahim Pasha, who was an advisor and good friend of the Sultan, who was the ruler of the Ottoman Empire. And very often, slave women were purchased for members of the royal family, especially the Sultan, either as concubines or just as servants. And when Ibrahim saw her, he liked her like whole look so he purchased her and brought her into the harem of the royal palace now we have talked about harems before with the jotaba episode because jota lived in a harem while she was empress however the ottoman harem and like the indian uh, muslim harem have like a few significant differences but in general are basically the same places now, one of the major differences, at least that I found in uh, the Ottoman harem, was that the sultan was not married to any of the women he was having children with, and they didn't get a title unless their son became sultan, which wasn't always guaranteed even if you had the sultan's oldest son. Also, uh, most of the sultan's concubines were enslaved people, which, as you guys remember from uh, Jota's episode, Jota wasn't enslaved. She was, you know, a Hajaput princess, you know. But in Harem's case, she was enslaved for the rest of her life with no control over what happened to her, which oh, sucks. Uh, now, when she got to the harem, she was chosen by the sultan's mother to become one of his concubines, which is, god, that's such a weird fucking custom that I read about. Like, I don't know why it was a thing that the sultan's mom got to choose who her son slept with. Like, it's weird. Like, imagining your mom, <laughs> imagining anyone's mom being like, mm, yes, this one, that that one should sleep with my son. I mean, I guess, like, in general, it's like, you, you like, pick a girl who's, like, you know, easy to control and, you know, possibly good looks, good genes for the next possible sultan, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, now that Harem was going to be a concubine to the sultan, she needed a bit of an education because the sultan was a very intellectual man, which we'll talk about him in a second. But for now, let's talk about what she might have learned about. Now, we think that she may have learned a little music history, uh, the customs of the land, obviously. I mean, she's uh, she's foreigner, so she needs to know that. And uh, the native language of the Ottoman people, which I believe is Turkish at the time. I don't know. Um, 
So, you know, of course, she could speak with the Sultan. It'd be very awkward if she couldn't talk to him. Um, and in general, it was very basic education, just basically so she could impress the Sultan when she met him. But luckily, she had something else going for her, and that was she was very, very pretty. Now, in general, Harem has kind of like wildly uh, differing descriptions of her that I have seen. Uh, but luckily, especially in her early life, but uh, when she became a sultana, we have like diplomats at the time, like coming and like describing her. And uh, because of her Ukrainian and Polish roots, Harem had, you know, very interesting features especially to the ottomans she had bright red hair pale skin light eyes which was like really sought after features in like uh eastern slaves because you know obviously being in uh turkey everyone was you know like darker people had dark skin dark hair dark eyes so like this like pale redhead girl she really stood out in the harem maybe that's probably one of the reasons uh the sultan's mom picked her because she stood out um speaking of standing out in the harem Harem was a huge hit in the harem, pretty much from the second she got there. Not just because of the fact that she looked so different than everyone there, but because of her, like, really bubbly personality, which got her the nickname Harem, which is Persian for the cheerful one. I fucking love that. That's so cute. Um, I mean, look at her making the best of a bad situation and being, like, the, the queen bee of the harem. Um, I don't know, like... I don't think I've seen Miss Congeniality, but she's like Miss Congeniality, like 1518 of the harem. I go her. Um, now, after a few weeks of training, she was sent off to meet the Sultan. Um, of course, after being bathed and put in some really nice clothes in order to impress the Sultan. Now, she probably would have met the Sultan in uh, the first year of his reign, which was about uh, 1520. So she was hopefully about 18 years old, if her uh, birthday is right. She, you know, was of age. Uh, but either way, <laughs> it's still gross. Now, um, whatever happened the first time they met must have been pretty good because very soon people were starting to notice that the Sultan had a new favorite. Okay, now before we get into more of Harem's story, let's get to know Harem's boo, the Sultan. Uh, his name is Suleiman. He's also been known to history as Suleiman the Magnificent, which is like that's a fucking baller nickname. Like, if I were to ever go down in history as someone cool, the Magnificent better be at the end of my name or else I don't fucking want it. Anyway, uh, Suleiman was born the only surviving son of Sultan Selim I of the Ottoman Empire and his concubine, Hafsa Sultan, who was of Crimean Tartar origin, so, like, pre pretty close to, um, Harem in, like, ethnicity. Like, the Crimea is, like, at the bottom of uh ukraine it used to be part of ukraine and then russia annexed it anyway whatever the point is they have similar ethnicities now uh as a child suleiman studied at the topkapi palace in istanbul where he learned theology literature science history and warfare and he also became fluent in six languages uh ottoman turkish arabic serbian uh Chagtai turkish 
which I guess is a completely different dialect of Turkish. I had never heard of it before, before I started studying Suleiman. Uh, he could also speak Farsi and Urdu. So safe to say this man loved learning. I mean, he was so fucking smart. He was also, he's also known to history as the lawmaker. So the dude loved books. He loved writing laws and he was just like an overall really cool dude. I also heard from a couple of sources that he was like kind of cute. So I looked at some of his portraits and you know what? I kind of agree. Like he's, he's not that bad looking in some of his portraits, but you know, actually one of my favorite portraits he's in is he's like he's like wearing his nice turban and in this portrait his turban is like it's gigantic like it's bigger than his head and it kind of looks like he's wearing an onion on his head which i found very funny because like why is that turban so big like i get like turbans can be big but like why is this one so like comically big anyway <laughs> uh when suleiman was a teenager he was sent to govern a region in his father's name which is normally what you did with the son who you wanted to succeed you uh the sultan normally sends whatever son he likes the best to a certain region in order to be like, yeah, this is probably the kid that's going to succeed me. Anyway, while he was there, he had a like a mini harem that produced a, a small brood of children, I believe like three or four kids. But when Suleiman's dad died, he was summoned back to Istanbul. And uh, unfortunately, uh, out of all the children he had, only one... <laughs> ended up surviving the journey back to Istanbul, and that was his son Mustafa, who was the son of his favorite concubine, Mahi Devron. Now, the whole deal with being a concubine to the Sultan, or a future one, was that uh, you would sleep with the Sultan a couple of times until you had a son. And when you had that one son, that was it. You didn't sleep with the Sultan again, and you dedicated your fucking whole being and life to your one son. And you also would accompany him when uh, that child went off to govern his province, like Suleiman's mom did. So, you know, that was your goal when you became the Sultan's concubine. You didn't do anything else. That was your fucking purpose in life. And that was what uh, Suleiman's concubine Mahi Devran had done with her son Mustafa up until this point. Um, and uh, as I've mentioned, it was also what Suleiman's mom had done, along with, you know, many other concubines going back generations had done. And at first, that was what Harem did. Now, the year after she started sleeping with Suleiman, she got pregnant. And uh, probably in the year 1521, she gave birth to her son, Mehmed, which was, you know, supposed to be her ticket to like a cush life away from Istanbul. Like, she was supposed to be, like, sent off to a uh, province and, like, get her own household and, like, raise her son. And she could have done that. But that's not what happened because the next year, Harem was pregnant again and he gave birth to a daughter named Mirama. And the Ottoman court was fucking scandalized when Mirama was born. People could not believe that she didn't stop seeing Suleiman. Even worse, Suleiman was obviously favoring Harem and the children they had. But no one could do anything about it because Harem just kept giving Suleiman children, specifically sons, which was like kind of bad for uh, poor Mahi Devran over here with her one son, Mustafa. Now, after her daughter Mirama was born, she had her son Abdullah, then Salim, Bayezid, and finally, her uh, last child, uh, Changir, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, uh, who, unfortunately, Changir was born uh, physically handicapped, which, you know, must have been hard having a special needs child. Um, 
And with every son that Harem had, it only made Mahidevran more fucking pissed because she followed the rules. She had had her one son and she was dedicating her fucking life to Lord Mustafa. But for every son that Harem kept on giving Suleiman, she was getting more and more power and it was just really pissing Mahidevran off. So, one day in the harem, Mahidevran came up to Harem and slapped her right across the face like a fucking bitch slap in front of everyone. And Mahidevran called her soiled meat, which made Harem start fucking fighting her like a whole brawl in the middle of a harem. And this big fight had to be broken up by Suleiman's mom, who was basically like, what the fuck are you two doing? We don't fight in fucking harems. What the hell is wrong with you two? Go cool off in a corner. And then after the fight, when Suleiman called Harem to his bed, she basically refused to see him and said something along the lines of like, you're you're not fit to see me like this. Apparently I'm soiled meat. Maybe you should ask Mahi Devron about that one. Now, this whole incident actually only made Harem more powerful and more pushed Mahi Devron to the side because Suleiman was like appalled that Mahi Devron would do anything like that to Harem. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So Mahi Devron was getting more pushed to the side and Harem only got closer to the Suleiman. However, very, very soon, Harem was about to get much more powerful than she probably ever thought she would. Now, in 1534, Suleiman's mother, Hafsa, died, which, you know, left a huge, like, power vacancy in the harem because Hafsa was the head of the harem. That was her job. Um, so Harem was like, hmm, I could do that. <laughs> So Harem took up that space. Also in that year, Harem decided she wanted to officially convert to Islam, which, while it wasn't required of her, the sultan's concubines weren't required to convert to Islam. Um, she wanted to do it anyway, and Suleiman was ecstatic when he heard she wanted to convert, so he helped her through all the steps of converting to Islam, which um, I, I don't know how you convert to Islam from any other uh, religion, or anything, but I'm sure there's, like, a decent amount of steps, and you have to be, like, you know, checked. I, I don't know. <laughs> but when she officially converted, Suleiman was like, woo, yay, you're, you're Muslim now, let's celebrate by you coming to my room, and, you know, we can bang. Um, and Harem was like, oh, Suleiman, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm a good Islamic woman now. We can't sleep together, we're not married. So... <laughs> With very few options, and Suleiman absolutely loving the shit out of her, he was like, Okay, <laughs> you want to have the first royal marriage in like 100 years? <laughs> and Harem was like, Fuck yeah! Now, I believe the last time a sultan actually like got married to any of the women he was having children with was like just before Suleiman's ancestor Mehmed the Conqueror took over Constantinople and made it Istanbul. So that was probably the last time a sultan had ever married, like, anyone. And uh, after Mehmed the Conqueror, like, he, he took no wives, he had concubines. And since then, it had been a tradition that the sultan never married, because it would put, like, one woman above all the other women who might have children with the sultan. Now, I have to mention how different succession was in the Ottoman Empire, because it, it wasn't just about being the oldest son, it was about survival and the favor of your father and your mom being super powerful. Basically, if you were a prince and you came of age, your dad would send you to a province to govern, and if he wanted you to succeed, he would send you somewhere important. And when the sultan died, it would basically, like, 
cutthroat, like brother against brother to become sultan, which is why you never wanted too many sons because fratricide was super common. So for the sultan to just marry one of the mothers of his children was a huge fucking deal saying that Harem, she is the top bitch. But they did it anyway because they just did not fucking care. Now, we don't know really anything about their wedding because it was a private ceremony, but I imagine it was nice. I'm sure, like, all their children were there and they had fun, so that's nice. Uh, Those two had genuine love for each other. I mean, you can see it in the letters and the poems they wrote each other. Like, uh, there's this uh, line from uh, a letter from Suleiman to Harem uh, when he was out, you know, warring. So I'm going to read it to you. It's very nice. Now, I only find peace next to you. Words and inks would not be enough to tell you my happiness and joy when I am right next to you. Which, aww, that Suleiman. That's so fucking cute. Aww. Now, almost immediately after uh, Suleiman and Harem got married, Harem moved into the main royal palace with rooms right next to Suleiman, which draws drove everyone crazy because women weren't allowed to live in the palace but the fact that she was doing that pissed everyone off but it wasn't the only thing that was pissing people off about this time Suleiman's son with Mahi Devron Mustafa was being sent off to govern a province of his own as was the tradition now Mahi Devron accompanied her son to his province and a few years later when Harem's son um Mehmed uh, was about to be sent to govern his own province, she didn't go with him. And everyone talked bad about her, like, on that. People were like, oh my god, she doesn't care about her son. What an awful fucking mother. Which is, like, so stupid, because she had so much more to deal with. Like, she was, she was the fucking empress of the Ottoman Empire. She didn't have, like, all this, like, time, you know, she was you know, doing governing stuff. I mean, she had official duties. She was working in politics, not to mention her youngest son was fucking handicapped. She was a busy bitch. She didn't have time to go away to a province with her son, who is a, you know, he was an adult. He could fucking take care of himself. And, you know, I've been reading all this stuff she did as empress, and gosh, I just got tired fucking reading about it. Now, while Suleiman was away, you know, expanding his empire a little bit into Europe, Harem was like you know, her his right-hand man. She was running things from back home. Like, one time when Suleiman was away, uh, there was a plague running through Istanbul, but she took charge of that situation. She tried to help citizens, and despite the fact that a decent amount of the Ottoman nobles were fleeing the city, she stayed and made sure, like, the citizens of Istanbul were taken care of, and she also was writing back to Suleiman to keep him updated on the situation so that, you know, nothing went awry. She also had a regular correspondence with the King of Poland and actually made a lasting friendship between the Ottoman Empire and the Polish crown, which is, like, so cool that she was able to make, like, such a lasting connection. Also, uh, Harem engaged in several major works of public buildings from uh, the city of Mecca to Jerusalem. Um, Some of her first foundations were a mosque, uh, two Quranic schools, a fountain, and a women's hospital near the women's slave market in Istanbul. Um, It was the first complex constructed in Istanbul by uh, Mir Masanai in his new position as the chief imperial architect. So, you know, she facilitated that. She also built a mosque complex in Adrianople and Ankara. She also commissioned a bath, a bathhouse, which kind of reminds me a bit of Anne of Kiev. (laughs) 
because remember she was commissioning bathhouses because the people of Paris were stinky. Anyway, uh, she did this to serve the community of worshippers in the nearby uh, Hagia Sophia um, in Jerusalem. She established in uh, 1552 the Hasiki Sultan Emirate, which was a public uh, soup kitchen to feed the poor, which was said to feed at least 500 people twice a fucking day. Wow. Uh, but she didn't just build one public soup kitchen. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen. She built two. She built another one in Mecca, which is very, very cool. And, you know, I think she genuinely cared about her role as empress. Like, she wasn't just there, like, for the power. She was like, here's what I can do. I can help women slaves. I can help the poor. I can help as many people as I can in this position. However... Unfortunately, scandal followed Harem wherever she went, and two specific incidents in her life really kind of threw her name in the trash forever. Okay, so winding the clock back a little bit to the start of Harem's empressship. Um, in 1536, Suleiman's principal advisor and best friend, Ibrahim Pasha, who was probably the guy who purchased Harem from the slave market, he unfortunately fell from grace, and he was executed. And believe it or not, people blamed Harem for his execution, saying she had tricked Suleiman into executing him, all because her, you know, son-in-law, her the, the uh, husband of her daughter, took up the position. But that's just fucking bullshit. First of all, Abraham had basically been digging his own grave for the last couple of years. It all started when a military campaign that he was heading was going bad, but that wasn't really enough to execute him, because, like, you know, shit happens. But what really, really dug his grave was he was getting a little cocky and a little upset, and would go around the streets calling himself the sultan to people who didn't, you know, know better, which was probably the final nail in his coffin. You can't just go around impersonating the sultan. Now, <laughs> believe it or not, Suleiman was a fucking big boy. He could make his own fucking decisions. Still, everyone blamed this incident on Harem, despite the fact that, yes, her son-in-law did take up Abraham Pasha's uh, position as the grand vizier, but... He didn't take it immediately. He only took up the position after three other men had been in the position. So, Suleiman was probably going to kill Ibrahim Pasha no matter what Harem fucking said. Speaking of murder, here is the second scandal that really just throws Harem's reputation in the trash. And it did not make her look good, despite the fact that she probably had nothing to fucking do with it. Now, uh, going back to the 1550s, the rivalry between Harem uh, and uh, Mahi Devron was... You know, pretty stable. In fact, uh, Prince Mustafa was very close with his younger brothers and sisters. Sorry, sister. And he didn't really want to kill his little brothers. Like, he liked Harem's kids. And he didn't want to have to have them killed in order to get the throne he wanted. And to be honest, at this point, he was kind of sick of his dad's fucking crap. So he was making plans to overthrow him, you know, moderately peacefully, though it's hard. I, I find it's hard probably to overthrow anyone peacefully. However, Suleiman got wind of Mustafa's plans and he made the unfortunately very hard decision to have his son executed by strangling. Which I'm sure, like, devastated Suleiman to make that decision. Like, that's your oldest son. That's your, you, it's your baby. He didn't want to do that. Um, and apparently when Harem's youngest son, uh, Shang-Hir, heard of his brother's murder, it was said he died a few months 
later of a broken heart, which is so sad, but probably not true. <laughs> Chang here was, you know, the one who was physically handicapped. He was sickly quite a lot of his life. So he probably died from that, not from a broken heart, but, you know, we like broken heart a little better. Now, despite the fact that this was Suleiman's decision, to this day, Harem is still very often blamed for his death, which is so stupid. Harem may have like not liked Mustafa's mom, Mahi Devron, but she would have never had Mustafa killed. And like I said, Suleiman was a fucking big boy. He can make his own decisions. And he made that fucking choice to have his son killed. That is all on him, and it is simply not fair to shovel all that guilt on Harem just because a couple contemporary historians didn't like how she got to the throne. Now, after that... In the year 1558, Harem unfortunately got very, very sick, and she died on April 15, 1558. She was probably about 56 years old. She had been Empress of the Ottoman Empire for 24 years and was the absolute light of Suleiman's life. Now, she was buried in a domed mausoleum decorated in some very, very exquisite Iznik tiles depicting the Garden of Paradise, perhaps in, in homage to her smiling and joyful nature that Suleiman really just adored. Now, after uh, Harem's death, Suleiman lived on for about eight more years before dying uh, during an important siege. I believe he was sieging Vienna in Austria. Anyway, he was buried in, a mausoleum, in that mausoleum next to Harem. Now, before we talk about her legacy, let me tell you a bit about what happened to her surviving children. Now, when Suleiman died, only Harem's sons, uh, Salim and Bayezid, were still alive. Um, her oldest son had uh, died, and her uh, son, Chankir, had died, as we know. Um, and I think Harem would have hated what happened after she died, because both boys fought bitterly for that throne after their father Suleiman died until Selim won and had his brother and Bayezid's uh, four sons murdered, which is so, so sad. Um, Selim actually ruled quite successfully uh, for eight years until he died and was succeeded by his own son. Now, uh, as for Harem's only daughter, Mirama, she became a very active member of her brother's court, interfering in politics and uh, charities, just like her mother before her, and actually became a very respected person in the Ottoman Empire. I do have her on my list. I'd love to do uh, Mirama one of these days, because Mirama is just, like, such an interesting person. She definitely has a lot of her mom's personality and her dad's brains, for sure. Okay, getting into legacy. God, fuck, I don't even know where to start. Like I said, I was tired just reading Harem's accomplishments. Now, Harem's story is a genuine rags-to-riches story. I mean, she started from nothing. She was kidnapped, sold into slavery. She could have ended up anywhere in the Ottoman world, but she ended up in the palace and made the best of her situation. She was able to grasp onto power and create an amazing dynasty for the Ottoman Empire with her hard work and dedication and her genuine affection for common people. Now, thank you guys so much for joining me in this episode. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode. Goodbye!
Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMasonRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.